Welcome back to Podcast 79 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. For a different perspective in handicapping college basketball games, please visit Shot Quality Bets and use the promo code ODDS22 for 20% off. Terms and conditions apply. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com, click shop, become a member, and pick any of our winning handicappers to get our premium plays before the line moves. Our college basketball is up now for packages if you want to capitalize on that. And if nothing else, please visit theozbreakers.com to become a free picks and Telegram subscriber. All right, my friends, the weekend is done. The NFL was kind of crazy. College football was a lot of fun. The UFC was amazing. <laughs> Had a great weekend watching sports. Okay betting. UFC's probably a little bit down, but we actually hit our big play on Alex Pereira, which was just an amazing fight, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, college football, we were up. A uh, couple losers there that I regretted playing, but you know that's life. NFL were down a little bit. I believe we went five, seven, and one in the NFL. Lots of bad beats and four down territory losses backdooring us at the last minute. But that's the way it goes sometimes. All in all, a really fun weekend of sports. Gonna get into our recap, as well as our box score analysis for misleading final scores. Starting with college football, nothing too major. Um, Big Ten-wise, Purdue did take out Illinois, which sure made things interesting in the Big Ten West. I think Iowa's got the... the, uh, the lead now since Wisconsin went over there and laid a complete egg. Wisconsin was just terrible on offense. You know, my whole handicap on that game is if Wisconsin just doesn't turn the ball over, they can win that game. Well, Wisconsin was winning. (laughs) And what happens? Well, Graham Mertz throws the ball and throws interceptions, and they lose. It's pretty simple. A punt block, too. You know, just simple crap that they should be avoiding in a place like Iowa. It's like, look. You run the ball and you punt it. You're probably going to be up by three points or five points. They're not going to drive on you, right? Well, they just couldn't get a get it past that. They had to throw the ball a bunch and make stupid decisions. And there you go. They're down by a score. Then they're down by two scores. It's just kind of snowballed from there. But um, I was probably got control now of the Big Ten West. As long as they win out, which I don't think is going to happen, I think that they actually might have some trouble this week against a better coach team in the Minnesota Golfers. Ohio State covered their massive 40-point spread, winning by 42 points against Indiana. They even gave up a garbage TD to Indiana at the very end there, but they were 
up by plenty and was able to weather that for any uh, Ohio State spread betters. I'm sure there's a lot of people betting Indiana after that Northwestern uh, appearance for Ohio State and uh, absolutely the wrong side. I stayed away from that game. That thing was uh, that thing stunk. I, I guess I would have leaned Indiana with just the slightest of leans. It, it doesn't surprise me at all that Ohio State put the gas pedal down and then Michigan, Nebraska, Michigan covered by a half point, 34 to 30. I believe they're 30 and a half point favorites for most of the week. So uh, Michigan just trouncing teams the way they do. I almost feel like they're kind of the most polished type team around, meaning you don't see a lot of weakness. You know, they've took care of business every single week. They're, they're consistent. They're very consistent, which is what you love out of your teams going into the playoffs as well as just betting them week to week. You love a consistent team, and that's Michigan for you. Michigan uh, did a fantastic job. TCU versus Texas, as you know, we gave out TCU plus seven, and uh, I actually took TCU on that Sunday That when the Lions came out at plus six and a half. I was extremely disappointed that thing went away from me and ended up going at seven and a half. Blew my mind why. I'll get into a little bit more of that in the next segment, but Texas should not be laying that many points against an undefeated Big 12 team. I mean, you have to think that TCU has a lot going for them, including a perception that the Big 12 can make the playoffs. That affects things in the Big 12 as well as the officiating in that game. And if you don't think it does, you haven't watched college football. Washington versus Oregon was the other big thing, and took Oregon completely out of playoff contention. I looked at the numbers. There's a lot of people on Oregon. I mean, I've disagreed with so many of the experts on so many games last week. I didn't necessarily want to bet Washington, and I should have. I just should have stayed with my consistency. 13 and a half points I had, and Washington wins outright. Absolutely amazing job done by Kalen DeBoer as head coach. And Oregon, one of those teams not with the greatest defenses we've seen, kind of like Tennessee in a way. You know, it's kind of like you think that they have a chance to make the playoffs, but if their offense isn't humming and they make a few mistakes, they could lose the game just based on the fact they can't stop people. That's what happened finally with Oregon. And so now they're out of the playoff picture themselves. And I'm actually going to have a play for you in a few minutes on a future for the college football playoffs. So next big game was Alabama versus Ole Miss. And that was a fascinating game for me. I didn't know which way Bama was going to go. And a lot of people say bet Ole Miss if LSU wins. Well, LSU did win in an ugly game against Arkansas. But was it Bama letting down or just maybe Bama's not quite as good as people think? You know, it was a very close game at the end. It was tied, and Bama was able to pull ahead at the very end against Old Miss, winning 30-24. to A lot of people jumping on that over, too. I leaned to the over, but didn't quite get, get to the window. But uh, Alabama, unfortunately, is probably just playing for their coach right now and maybe to get drafted into the NFL, maybe improve your draft stock a little bit. But that usually happens l- more in bowl season or later in the year, unless you're already projected a top draft pick, which many of these Alabama 
uh, players are. I, I almost feel like Alabama's almost unbettable at this point. Um, I'm sure the co- some of the players are going to play hard for Saban, but why would you? Uh, why would you risk injury if you're going to be a top pick anyway? So it's just a situation where it's it's going to be very hard to get to the window uh, if you're wanting to bet Alabama. Uh, and going back to LSU Arkansas, that was a disgusting game, and yeah, it was definitely a letdown spot for LSU, and they did let down. But Arkansas, they let down themselves in waves. They're, they've multiple times could have taken control of the game and just turned the ball over. Arkansas didn't even have their quarterback in for the whole game. Actually, at, at, for any of the game, KJ Jefferson didn't play, but Malik Hornsby played, and then Cade Fortin came in. You know, both of them not that good. Cade Fortin, 8 for 13, 92 yards. Malik Hornsby, uh, 4 for 9, 24 yards. I mean, you never thought this would be more of a defensive performance, especially from Arkansas, but it kind of just shows you how fraudulent LSU really is. I mean, if they did somehow beat Georgia, I don't think they get into the college football playoff. And that's because the same thing that happened to Penn State. Penn State had the two losses. They beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, and they were bypassed for like Ohio State or somebody to get in the college football playoffs and a couple SEC teams. Absolutely blew, blew my mind. So if they do it to LSU, that would be extremely inconsistent. But I wouldn't put it past the committee because they pretty much do what they want, and they have no repercussions anyway. They'll get plenty of backing from SEC pundits uh, if that happens. But I don't think it's going to happen, and it's going to tie into my play I'm going to give you in a few minutes. Uh, I try to get cute fading Georgia against Mississippi State. Mississippi State just couldn't couldn't do it. Uh, I thought they had a shot there when it was uh, seventeen to twelve in the first half, but no, it, Georgia just put the gas pedal down and didn't even allow Mississippi State really to do much at all. Mississippi State did score in the third quarter, but uh, Georgia scored twenty eight points in the second half. <clears throat> North Carolina versus Wake Forest. I was at North Carolina. Did not have much worry about that game, and I'll get into that in our next segment as well. Uh, UCLA, ugly loss against Arizona, 34-28. to <laughs> Little couple hiccups on offense, just like what I said about Oregon and Tennessee, and another big offensive team that's hard to stop like Arizona comes in and, well, beats them outright. So Pac-12 definitely under disarray uh, right now. God, I was so close to getting to the table with UCF. Tulane was just, I I think I was rooting for Tulane. That's why. And I should never think like that. Don't ever let your interest stop one of your bets. But at the same time, I had reason to not bet UFC 2 or UCF 2. It's the coaching mismatch. I thought Fritz was a better coach than uh, Gus Malzahn. So that was part of it. But. UCF just looked better on paper, and if you heard better odds sports betting with Tony that I had on, uh, 2021 Circa Millions champion Tony, you know, he kind of agreed with me as well. Uh, UCF, better stats, Tulane, uh, you know, everyone's darling that everyone was hoping was going to have a chance at winning the American Athletic Conference. Now it's going to come down to the very end here to see who's going to be in that championship game. Cincinnati sitting there too with only one conference loss. Notre Dame versus Navy. Notre Dame had them uh, 
beat as well as the spread beat. And then they allowed 16 unanswered points to Navy in the fourth quarter to only win by three points. That's got to be disappointing for anybody that bet Notre Dame in this situation. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And there was a ton of that in the NFL this weekend as well. Finally, Vanderbilt beating Kentucky. Got to love it. Vanderbilt still has a shot at four and six to become a bowl team. Got to love that. I am going for Vanderbilt here on out. I hope that this team that's just been in the dumps over the past 15 years to make a bowl game. My most likely dog to win outright West Virginia cashed early with beating Oklahoma 23 to 20. Got about plus 260, plus 270 on that money line. Was very happy about that. Also, Tony's from our Better Odds Sports Show, hit at when he bet the Colts uh, plus 220-ish to win outright as well. So was very happy with those results um, from our Better Odds Sports Betting Show every Friday at 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. And another big win that we had from our free plays was uh, UConn covering against Liberty and winning outright. That was a nice plus 420 sprinkle on the money line there. But as I said before, UConn's a better team than people think. Liberty's beaten a lot of fraudulent teams. Uh, They're in a massive letdown spot after that Arkansas game. So that's how you sports bet. You bet Liberty against Arkansas, then you fade them the very next week, cashing on both tickets. Was very happy about that. All right, that brings us to a future play that I made and gave out yesterday when the odds came out. And as you know, we have Ohio State that we gave out back in May to premium subscribers and I believe on this podcast at plus 600 to win the national championship. Well, Ohio State controls their own destiny, thank goodness. Now they have a very tough game against Michigan coming up. That could completely screw them to get into the playoffs, which is something you definitely worry about. Um, If they lose to Michigan, I think Tennessee would jump them to get in just upon Ohio State's performances against like uh, Notre Dame and against Northwestern, for example. And the loss against Michigan certainly won't help either. Now, Tennessee at least has a a decent win at Pittsburgh for their non-conference. Now, it wasn't a convincing win either, but it was at least at Pittsburgh. And I think the committee will look at the SEC as stronger overall than the Big Ten. This is important because Oregon lost now. So Oregon lost. Now you're dealing with really USC and TCU to get into the college football playoff. You have... Georgia, you have Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, um, USC, and Tennessee, really, right? Well, Tennessee's at 20-1 to to win the national championship. They have a very easy schedule coming out at South Carolina and at Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt's a little better than they were, but still, seriously, Tennessee's a top-five team. They're top-four in my power ratings. They jumped Alabama this week. 
Now, I like the fact that TCU has a very tough game at Baylor this week. Baylor's like plus three, plus two in some places. And USC is at UCLA at plus two, right? Maybe a USC that wins the Pac-12 championship would get over uh, a Tennessee. It's possible. But USC has no top 20 wins. That really hurts them as well. And I think that either TCU or USC is going to have another hiccup coming in. The Big Ten, their playoff game starts in Ohio State against Michigan because Michigan's non-conference absolutely stinks. So in my opinion, you have a good shot with Tennessee at 20-1 to to get into the playoffs. And that's going to be paired nicely with an Ohio State at 6-1 to that we took last May early and before the season started. So I think Tennessee's in. They win out, they are in. Georgia is going to win out themselves, most likely, and beat LSU in the SEC title game. That only helps Tennessee more looking at the strength of that loss, right? So I like Tennessee at 20 to 1 for one star to win the national championship because ideally you hope for Ohio State versus Tennessee at the very end. Probably going to be Georgia versus one of them. But either way, I think it's pretty good value and it's better than TCU right now or USC. Also, it's certainly better than Michigan at plus 600. You know, Michigan has a long way to go if they're going to beat Ohio State in Ohio State. Heck, I think they're already plus 200 on the money line against Michigan. A money line rollover for Michigan makes a heck of a lot more sense than taking plus 600 to win the national title because you can get all the way up to Georgia and they're still going to be dogs. Uh, I mean, it's a lot more for Michigan. If you think Michigan's got a shot and you're a Michigan fan, you take a money line rollover starting next week. All right, NFL recap. Lots of craziness in the NFL as well. Some big upsets. Uh, the Packers beat Dallas. That was certainly one of them. And what people are calling the game of the year with the Buffalo Vikings came. Holy smokes. That fumble that Buffalo had up four points. Just unacceptable, man. Holy cow, does Buffalo have some choke in them lately? You know, just absolutely unreal. But I'll tell you this, man, Jefferson, he was amazing that game. And that was just such a great game to watch. Unfortunately, I was on the Buffalo side myself, so it was painful. But man, was that exciting. That was definitely the game of the week, if not the game of the year, just based upon all of the just the changes. But Buffalo, man, this is a situation where they're getting into the second half and getting into the fourth quarter with big leads and and choking them up. Uh, Jacksonville was another one that choked. Uh, Jacksonville missed two field goals, lost 27 to 17. That's a cover right there in a one score game. Uh, if they would have hit at least one of those field goals that they missed. So, uh, shame on Jacksonville there for such a pathetic, uh, a pathetic showing, 
You know, lots of line value situations lost this week. And I get into that a little bit more in the next segment. The Bears, very popular play for people. I had the over. Thank goodness that hit easily. The Bears choked that one away. They were up by 20 points in the fourth quarter and gave that game away. Absolutely insane. You know, absolutely. And uh, I, I just don't know how you do that. It, it's just their defense was so bad. They had some bad calls that went against them as well, and you can see the Chicago media talking about that. But either way, your defense has to be better in those situations. The Seahawks, very popular play. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally took care of uh, them. Neither team looked all that good. I thought that Geno Smith kind of gave that very important uh, fumble up at the end of that game, and the Seahawks defense showed their fraudulence a little bit against a you know, solid Buccaneers rushing offense. White had to play because Fournette got hurt. So that was interesting. Broncos versus Titans was a disgustingly ugly game. Thank goodness the Broncos' teaser leg still covers because that was probably the most popular teaser leg in the whole, <laughs> whole NFL this week. So uh, that at least went through. Teasers have definitely been better. We hit our teaser going 5-4-1 and one this week. Or sorry, for, for uh, refused to lose teasers, 5-4-1. and one. Now finally into the black. The Dolphins just destroyed the Browns. The Browns were a pick that I leaned them, if you remember, in the podcast with Andy. But I wasn't you know completely sold on it. And I, I there was a couple parts of my metrics that favored the Dolphins. So I'm glad I stayed away from the game. But the Dolphins made the Browns look like Swiss cheese themselves. Giants Texans I was on the Giants and that was a little bit of a dicey game. I you can see the Giants aren't that good of a team. They're certainly not a 7 and 2 team. You know, you're going to find that out a little bit later in the year, but they're just still running on pure adrenaline and Tony Dayball, coach Dayball's just doing a wonderful job. The Saints versus the Steelers, I admit I lost on the Saints. I am shocked how bad they've looked lately three and seven now Steelers coming off the bye out just mushed them in the in the trenches and that's one thing that I thought the Steelers or sorry the Saints improved in the trenches but apparently it was the Raiders that was the fraudulent team the the Saints did what they want against the Raiders stuffed them hard but that apparently the Saints in the trenches are just average and the Raiders are just that bad because the Raiders got their asses kicked against a coach that's never coached in the NFL in his entire life. He played in the NFL on Jeff Saturday. He was an analyst that came in. How embarrassing of a loss for the Raiders. Just pathetic. 25-20 to 20 at home. Man, there's nothing more you can do for this team. They are toast. Uh, Cardinals versus Rams. This was the ugliest loss to underbets that I've ever seen. Last second touchdowns for the Cardinals in the first half, destroying the first half under. And the final garbage score that McVay had to get, you know, with John Wolford at the end, fourth down pass at the corner of the end zone, seven seconds left. Just to get within 10 points, 
absolutely disturbing to overbetters. I almost gave that under out. I took it personally, and I had to take an L on that one. So um, I was very disappointed. And that Rams defense, they're freaking terrible. This the, the this Rams team is terrible, and now Cooper Cup's going to be missing a couple weeks. By the time the Niners played the Chargers, I only watched segments of it, but this was just another very strange game and a big misleading box score for the Niners here uh, in this game. You would have thought that the Niners would have pounded them, and you're going to see that in our segment of misleading final scores. The good... The bad and the ugly from the weekend starts now. And we're going to start with the good being Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan. All undefeated teams. They're just all good. Look what Ohio State did when it wasn't windy. (laughs) That is the problem, though. I mean, Georgia in a windy day is much more trustworthy than Ohio State is. But I will also say that Michigan, just the way they get up every single week, not showing a hiccup, they're covering their spreads or at least finishing at their spreads very close. Um, They look like the most trustworthy team to where the number is going to be placed on them. So I find that these these last three teams here are extremely fun to watch. And now Tennessee's offense is back after that – lost to Georgia 724 yards so I had to put that in the good category as well another good thing is Oregon losing I I hated the fact that they're talking like Oregon is going to possibly be in the playoffs they're beating a bunch of bad teams in the Pac-12 I completely disagreed with it and now you just have one team with one loss left in USC They have two tough games against UCLA and Notre Dame. I think they lose one of them. I'm not sure which one that is, if not both of those games. So uh, I'll tell you this, for my under nine and a half, it'd be nice if USC does lose both those games, but we'll just have to uh, wait and see. Another good thing that happened for me, at least, or anybody that took this bet when I gave it out, was a large play on the Wake Forest season win total before Sam Hartman was announced back in cashed. And that was under eight and a half wins. It was a little juiced at like minus 130. But I hit that one hard with the Sam Hartman news. But I also remember their defense being really bad. So I didn't buy back right away. And a lot of the books just had it frozen and didn't even offer it. And then uh, Sam Hartman was back in and then it became really dicey especially in the beginning but uh was really happy to be able to cash that because that was easily our largest under and our season win total this year and i also have to put good justin jefferson i think i've already done this before so i'm being redundant here but the dude just won the game by himself kirk cousins just had to throw the ball in his area and that catch that he made by himself with one arm ripping the ball away on fourth and 18 was just absolutely insane. Unreal. Still blown away that him and Jamar Chase played on the same LSU team. Just absolutely unreal. Bad. Well, NFL was bad as far as uh, fourth 
four down territory. And that's where a couple of my bets got absolutely smashed. One of them was the Dallas Cowboys bet. And there's a lot of tweets on Allen, the home official that is a very significant ATS to the home team, uh, completely helping that out as well. It was also a little bit of choke on Dallas's part because they couldn't get a first down. But still, it was a ugly game whatsoever, and it made the NFL look bad. Also, what's bad is the Big Ten West. Holy cow, are they just looking like crap. Illinois was in the driver's seat for a while, then you lose to Purdue at home. Just absolutely bad. Uh, you know, I also want to say this is bad, and this is already being talked about in some sports shows. The NFL QB situation with Matt Ryan, I put out a poll because I had inclinations of Matt Ryan playing. Well, everyone voted that it wasn't because Ursay said we're just doing Elgin the rest of the year. Well, Ursay's an idiot. None of us should ever believe what he says because right away, Jeff Saturday starts Matt Ryan. From a fantasy perspective, from a betting perspective, and even from a fan perspective, how is the NFL allowed to do this? You know, they can just make everybody game time decisions then if that's the case. Imagine just having everybody on the injury report being a game time decision while they know the whole time who's actually playing or not. You know, that this has become a problem and the market just doesn't even know what to do. Some of the people that are crafty will bet one side and bet the other, but a lot of those bets lose too. You know, you, you end up giving up your 5% uh, in those situations. You know, so I think that uh, the NF, there's got to be better rules here. That's absolutely ugly. I guarantee you that Buffalo knew Josh Allen was playing a long time ago. I, I guarantee it. You know, they're sitting there and toying with the media, toying with the other side so the other side didn't know. That's absolutely insane. Maybe you make a rule where they have to be announced in or out on Saturday, and they have, to, and if they don't play for a few plays at least – then uh, maybe the team gets fined. I don't know. I'm just I'm just brainstorming here. But this was just absolutely stupid the way they're playing with the injury report. And that also goes into Mike Gundy, you know, because he also made my bad with the way he does his injury report. Spencer Sanders went in that game against Iowa State. You know, he actually played some of that game. You know, they made it sound like he was completely out. But that's what Gundy does. You don't know who's playing and who's not playing during the season at all you know you can only really bet this team at the beginning of the season you probably can't even trust it completely at bowl season for the way that Mike Gundy runs this team I think that's absolutely bad and something needs to give there as well Jags field goal kicker I already mentioned that he costed me one of my bets on the uh we cost me uh the circuit pick for sure I pushed at my plus 10 at least, but I should have been able to win that if he makes one of those field goals, in my opinion. And another bad from the week that's not football related is cryptocurrency. What the heck is going on there? That FTX company, the exchange that lost all their money, I think their coin or whatever was FTT. I I don't know a lot about it because thank goodness I got out of crypto a while ago. You know, uh, crypto is a great idea, right? A currency that's not manipulated by a government free all over the world to trade with. 
that's a great idea in itself. You know, gains value with supply and demand, blah, blah, blah. But having like a thousand coins doesn't help anything. That completely devalues the rest of them. You know, you only need a couple coins to do that with. (laughs) The problem with Bitcoin is that it's slow via transaction. And there's better things you can do it with the blockchain. And that's why Ethereum came out. But the prices of these things were absolutely blown out of the water. You know, what the hell are you going to do with a Dogecoin? All these things have massive risk to them because nobody is using them as currency, right? Until people actually start trading with it, it doesn't make sense. It's not worth anything. So if you buy something, an electronic coin at a high value, you run a massive risk of it absolutely tanking to nothing. You know, yeah, these things should all be worth like a hundredth of a cent until they're actually used, in my opinion. And those NFTs, same thing. Digital picture of somebody's tweet. I own the rights to that tweet or something like whatever those things are. I'm not big into them, so maybe you guys can help me out here, but I don't think that market's real either. You know, so the the concept of trading with an electronic currency is awesome. The fact that they made a ton of them is absolutely nuts and a lot of people were hurt this weekend due to that crash. Another bad of the weekend was the market on TCU, I mean, I was a little embarrassed, like I said, when it went past the number I gave out. What is Texas doing being allowed to lay over seven points to a team when they're losing to like Texas Tech with backup quarterbacks and they're getting their butts kicked at Oklahoma State? You know, why are they a seven, seven and a half point favorite? There's nothing metric that shows that from the success. And if you want to say TCU got lucky because they played a lot of teams that injured their quarterback during the game, well, how are you going to quantify that as three points? TCU kicked the kicked the crap out of a lot of these teams. You know, Kansas State has a real good defense. TCU beat their defense. You saw Kansas State last week against Baylor. You know. It, there, you can come up with a narrative, but if you can't quantify it and you make this ridiculous spread against a team that doesn't deserve it, that absolutely blows my mind. I even had Texas maybe like a half point more in my power ratings until this game as well. You know, I said the spread should have been three and a half or so tops for Texas here. But either way, that was absolutely insane. Same thing with Wake Forest versus North Carolina. That's where watching the games is much more important than the analysis that you can make based upon strength of schedule and stuff like that. What did you see when you watched Wake Forest get their ass kicked against Louisville? You know? When Wake Forest went into a bad NC State team with no quarterback and lost 30 to 21, you know, what the heck were they doing? laying over three points to North Carolina. I took North Carolina at three on Sunday, and I was shocked to move it against me. But this is another situation where watching some of these teams play gives you a little bit better judgment than a bunch of speculation of the strength of schedule, the speculation that people got hurt. 
Wake Forest game in overtime against Clemson hasn't aged that well when Clemson went and got their butts kicked by Notre Dame. I mean, so did North Carolina, but North Carolina at least kind of came back a little bit in that game. North Carolina beat the crap out of Pittsburgh, you know. So it was just a situation where watching Wake Forest and North Carolina the past few weeks probably gave you a little bit better idea than the metrics themselves. Now for the ugly. Kentucky losing to Vanderbilt was definitely ugly for that program. People talking like Will Levis is a top quarterback prospect for the NFL. How the heck is that possible? (laughs) It's not possible. They lost at home to Vanderbilt. They were like a 20-point favorite or something insane. God, why why did I not get to the table with that one? 17 and a half points. Still, massive size favorite. Vanderbilt was a sharp side. 55% of the tickets on Vanderbilt, 82% of the money. That was certainly ugly. The TCU Texas over was ugly. I mean, this is two teams you would have thought would go way over the total. I'm glad I stayed away from it because it was around 65 or something. It was just kind of a strange number. And I was like, yeah, maybe it's time for some defense. Maybe they're going to show up, you know? So. That was ugly because I bet a lot of people were also on the total of that game, and I'm sure that most people uh, bet the over. Another ugly, Jimbo Fisher. Holy cow. Losing to Auburn, which might be the worst team in the SEC now that Vandy's doing better. I don't know. But maybe Texas A&M's the worst team in the USA. But Jimbo Fisher's contract's the thing that's ugly because that thing is expensive. And I'm not sure how easily Texas A&M can walk away from that thing. I don't know how much longer Jimbo Fisher can last here, even with a massive buyout that's probably written into the clause of his deal. Here's another ugly. Syracuse scoring three points last game. Oh, my God. Just disgusting. I got to tell you, Syracuse was right for the fading but it's all about finding that team. And I and I was too chicken to, to fade them again. You know, I did not fade them this week. I should have. But if you think of some teams in the NFL, maybe the Giants fit the bill that Syracuse did. Maybe the Patriots fit the bill. You know, definitely teams that have won a lot. And, I, and unfortunately, last week it was Seattle, right? They didn't beat anybody big, any big name team, anybody that's that good, you know, getting all that credit in the marketplace. Well, that's how Syracuse was before the Clemson game. They cover against Clemson. Then they just get stopped by Notre Dame, lost it by 10 at Pittsburgh and lost by 35 points against Florida State. Absolutely ugly with Syracuse. The ugliest thing of the weekend was the best game of possibly the year. The Bills choking away that spread. That was absolutely painful. And I took them in the contest at minus three and a half. My number on the Bills was bad too. Minus six. It wasn't bad because it closed at six and a half. But the fact that it was at minus three for a long time, minus three and a half, it was very disappointing. And if it would have ended at four, The books would have been absolutely destroyed, but unfortunately, they choked that game away as well. 
You know, they're up by 10 points. About to score, just like against Green Bay when they were up 17. They throw a pick at the goal line, just like last time. The Bills having that choke in them. Well, then it kind of just spun out of control. They're up by 10 instead of 17 or 13 because they go for it on fourth and blow it. <laughs> and then, you know, you think you're good. I would I, I would have had them kick the field goal personally. I know all the metric people say, no, you get the points, make it 17. There is a momentum factor that's not quantified. When you give the defense a big win, it filters in. That's why points off turnovers happen all the time in football and basketball because there's unquantifiable things that factor in. I'm pretty much a metric person, but in this situation, you gave them all the momentum in the world by doing that. They choked away the seven and a half if somebody took it super early. They choked away the six that I had that took it too early, yet still closing line value. They choked away the three and a half by fumbling the most important play of the game after you stop Cousins on the goal line. And you still don't know where that ball was actually in or out, but the replay couldn't tell. So they gave the touchdown to the Vikings. And then they choked away the whole money line, even at the minus three, as well as the... Uh, Anybody that would have took minus 180, minus 200 on the money line as well. I mean, that was just choke after choke after choke for the Bills. That was ugly for anybody betting the Buffalo Bills. And finally, Green Bay had a 14 to 20 point home field advantage to finish out the Cowboys and win that game. And if anybody watched that game, if you have access to see that second half, You'll watch it and know exactly what I'm talking about. Blondie, hey, you realize we might be risking our lives? Yeah. And if I get killed, you'll never get your hands on all that beautiful money. All right, that brings us to College Football Week 11 misleading final scores. So Akron's yards versus Eastern Michigan were just garbage time, so skipping that one. Buffalo outgained Central Michigan 431 to 420, yet lost 31 to 27. Equal turnovers and bad red zone killed the Bulls. East Carolina outgained Cincinnati 454 to 310, yet lost 27 to 25. Even won the turnover margin 1 to 0, but very bad special teams efficiency got them. Oklahoma outgained West Virginia 426 to 406 and lost 23 to 20. They won the turnover battle 2 to 0, but 1 for 11 third down conversions killed the Sooners. Navy's yards were all garbage versus Notre Dame at the end. Liberty outgained Yukon 474 to 318 yet lost 36 to 33. Bad special teams and explosive plays put the freeze on Hugh Freeze. Georgia State outgained uh, Louisiana Monroe 535-300, to yet lost 31-28, to a 2-1 to a one, two to one turnover ratio. And bad red zone efficiency hurt them. Wisconsin outgained Iowa 227-146, to yet lost 24-10. to Horrible quarterback play by Mertz. And bad special teams turnover touchdown got them. Just pathetic by Wisconsin. Temple outgained Houston 533 to 485, yet lost 43 to 36. They won the turnover battle two to one. But time of possession and the fact that they couldn't stop the run really hurt this team. Iowa State 
outgained Oklahoma State 333 to 244, yet lost 20 to 14, a 5 to 2 turnover ratio in horrible red zone. Got the clones. Ole Miss outgained Alabama 402 to 317, yet lost 30 to 24. Equal turnovers at 101, but bad fourth down efficiency at 0 to 3 in their red zone hurt them. Charlotte outgained Middle Tennessee State 383 to 306, yet lost 24 to 14. Equal 2 to 2 turnovers, but bad red zone and fourth down efficiency at 1 to 4 hurt Charlotte. Army outgained Troy 357 to 264, yet lost 10 to 9. Option team weirdness. And that usual bad red zone got them. Army Army was winning that game for a while. Oregon outgained Washington 592 to 522, yet lost 37-34. Equal turnovers at 1-1, but poor coaching kicking that field goal in the fourth quarter got Oregon and the Ducks. Kansas outgained Texas Tech 523 to 510, yet lost 43 to 28. A 2-0 turnover ratio hurt them. Colorado State outgained Wyoming 372 to 260. 36 yet lost 14 to 13 a 2 to 1 turnover ratio and bad red zone efficiency hurt the rams hawaii's yards were mainly garbage so i'm going to pass on that one college football week 12 betting spots letdown spots tcu at baylor is possible after they beat up texas but they are still playing for the playoff hopes uh vanderbilt hosting florida after finally getting an sec win versus kentucky is one iowa at minnesota after beating rival wisconsin is one for sure. UCF hosting Navy after beating Tulane is possible as well. Get up spots. UCLA hosting USC can play the spoiler here. Texas at Tech Kansas needs to save face after that TCU loss. Tulane hosting SMU after the brutal US UCF loss. And look ahead spots. Michigan looking past Illinois to Ohio State is very possible. Ohio State looking past Maryland to Michigan is very possible. So think about that. The biggest game of the Big Ten is in about two weeks. LSU could look past UAB to Texas A&M next week too. Yikes. Let's move on to the NFL. NFL Week 10 misleading final scores. The Bears outgained the Lions 408 to 323 yet lost 31 to 30. A 1 to 0 turnover ratio. Pick six killed them the texans outgained the giants 387 to 367 yet lost 24 to 16 to 2 to 0 red zone turnover ratio killed them giants also had one huge explosive play that game the cowboys outgained the packers 421 to 415 yet lost 31 to 28 equal 2 to 2 turnovers but nine penalties bad play calling poor officiating got the cowboys the 49ers outgained the chargers 387 to 238 yet only won 22 to 16 at home. Equal one to one turnovers, but bad red zone efficiency hurt the 49ers, kicking a lot of field goals. And this box score says the Niners should have won by 14 points minimum. I mean, outgained them by over 150 yards. That is uh, significant. And at home, you would have expected a much bigger cover for the Niners. And that kind of burned me a little bit as well for NFL Week 10. NFL Week 11 betting spots, letdown spots. The Packers hosting the Titans, maybe, after that crazy comeback win versus their old coach McCarthy, but the Packers are also in desperation to get wins, so I would just take that with a grain of salt. The Vikings hosting the Cowboys after that massive crazy game against Buffalo is a letdown spot for sure. Get up spots. The Cowboys better get up at the Vikings after that nasty loss against the Green Bay Packers, and there is no look-ahead spots for NFL. Week 11, 
And that brings us to our free play that we are going to give out for college football week 12. And we're going to go to the Pac-12, Utah versus Oregon. We're going to go over 62 points. I mean, look at the situation here. Number nine, Utah, an offensive success rate. Number nine, an offensive rushing success rate. Ten, an offensive passing play success rate. They don't have that high of a tempo because they're usually minus the USC game, which went way over the total, um, you know, trying to run the clock out. But as far as Oregon, they are number one in offensive success rate. They are number one in rushing success rate, number three in passing success rate, and their tempo is a little bit above average themselves. They rank 58th. I think they actually play faster when they're not involved in blowouts like you saw against UCLA. Both of these teams, not the greatest defenses in the world. I know Utah's ranks better, but when they're on the road, it certainly doesn't show that way. This game, Utah's defense is number 94th in red zone scoring percentage. Uh, Oregon's defense is 103rd in QBR. I mean, these defenses are not that good, and these offenses are great. This is a low total. Take the over 62 for two stars. It's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? All right, my friends. Before... We get to fantasy football. I just want to say about the Adesanya fight versus Perea. Was happy to cash that one in the fifth round where Perea was able to get the KO. And it should have been a KO. Adesanya was very dazed and he was in massive trouble there. But what I will say is Adesanya screwed up. He was winning that fight just because he had some ground control. And they're not going to take the championship away from Adesanya. Even though he was backpedaling, I've seen this happen too many times. He should have tried to get more ground control and just wrestled this thing out. He was stubborn and ended up winning. I don't know what his corner was saying to him, but this is kind of like the same situation with Yuri Prokotska versus Glover Teixeira. Glover should have been able to just wait that thing out and not get involved in a tangle with Yuri, and he ended up getting choked out in the very end. Same type of situation. Not quite as bad, but still. Uh, I think Adesanya could have won this fight if he would have played his cards right. Perea, not a wrestler, great kickboxer. Fade the crap out of him when he fights a wrestler coming up. Now it's time for some fantasy football with our guy, D-Nasty. All right, it's time for a little fantasy football. We got our guy, D-Nasty, back. Dave, I am watching this. Eagles game and they might lose. <laughs> How you doing, man? I know it's pretty shocking. Washington Redskins, or Washington Commanders. I, I wanted to say Redskins there for a minute, but uh, yeah, the Commanders—they've been looking good since Heineke took over. So hey, I, I, all, all the better for the Commanders. I'd love to see them up the underdog win. So yeah, they can pull it out here. Now the Eagles just got a personal foul and a late hit on Heineke. Holy cow! Yeah, that was a total late hit too. That guy came in at the last minute and just threw his helmet into him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I understand like the emotion of it, but Heineke took a knee there and it was just a mental error. It's just like, I got to get him, I got to stop him. And then boom. Oh, that's game. That's game. Yeah. That was a bad play by them. You can't be stupid. Good teams don't do stupid things like that. That's how you lose games. Kind of like how the Packers won this week 
all the penalties on Cowboys. Uh, you know, looking at it again, it was kind of weak. He tried to slow himself down. He was like, yeah, that was kind of uh, yeah, weak. Yeah. yeah, it was like, God, the NFL is just so... He's not hurt or nothing. The NFL is so... Ugh. Yeah, yeah that, that that wasn't that that shouldn't have been a penalty. He was stopping at the end, and he kind of like just hugged him, and he just fell down. Totally, that was just bushly. Yeah, that's uh, a bad call, actually. Yeah, not that I see in slow mo. Well, it's not like the Eagles deserve to win it from the way they played, but man, no, you can't turn over the ball any game. You, if you turn over the ball, you're never going to win. Turnovers that's, are key. That's exactly how it is, my man. Well, hey, we got some bye weeks this week, Dave. Who's who? Are we sitting. All right. Uh, Jaguars, a couple people on the de- Jaguars that you might be sitting this week, they're gonna, you're going to be missing this week. Uh, Kirk, Christian Kirk, uh, wide receiver, who just had two, two tutties this past week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's been playing well lately. Uh, Travis Etienne. Uh, so he's going to be out too as well. So you definitely get those three guys on your bench. Uh, you're probably not starting much else from the Jaguars. Uh, Dolphins, uh, quite a few guys on the Dolphins you'll be benching this week. Uh, Jeff Wilson, who's taken over as their lead running back. Uh, Tua, you're going to definitely bench him. Uh, Jaleen Waddell and Tariq Hill. So some major guys out there. A couple of top wide receivers. And Tua's actually been playing lights out the last couple weeks. So uh, you're definitely going to miss him on this bye week. The Seahawks, Geno Smith, top five quarterback right now. Who would have thought that? Uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, We got Tyler Lockett. Uh, My man, Kenny Walker, Jr., uh, and then th- those are the main guys for the Seahawks. Maybe Noah Font, but I don't think many people are starting him, so he's really not going to miss him, I don't think, that much. But he's been playing better of, as of late as well. Uh, and then we got the Buccaneers, Mr. Tom Brady. Uh, we got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, and then Washad White, who we'll talk about here for- shortly, and Leonard Fournette. So some major guys on the Buccaneers that you'll be missing this week as well. Oh, yeah. Yep, and uh, I mean, they finally get healthy now they get a bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. The Steahawks have quite a few here now that they've been playing better. And the Dolphins, holy cow, they're a big fantasy impact. Can't believe how good Wilson's been doing on the Dolphins, huh, Dave? Oh, I know. That, that's that's a huge trade for them. Uh, but he's going back to Daniels, who coached him in San Francisco. So he knows the offense already. He can just jump right in and start playing. So And they liked it. And Daniels liked him when he was with the Dolphins, or with when he was with 49ers as well so it's a good fit there actually for him definitely definitely and i'll tell you i thought my wilson was dead you know for a while especially when cmc was traded in the niners and you know they traded him to the dolphins and i thought he'd be like the third guy or something maybe the second guy but now he seems to be the first guy now doesn't he he's the man yeah he got 60 percent of the carries this past week so uh he's definitely the lead back there now Exactly. All right, well, let's get into key injuries then, Dave. I have tight end Zach Ertz with a knee. Not super sure about it yet. I Jerry Jetty's got a nasty ankle and is probably week to week at least. Uh, Khalil Herbert is out with a hip for a while. We don't know if he's going to make next game. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster has a concussion. You know, since Tua, he'll probably miss a week. Uh, Cooper Cup, nasty high ankle sprain. That's really tough for fantasy owners. I mean... It's just he. I mean, he, he was kind of declining thanks to just the bad play from the Rams. Not his fault, but now he's got an ankle sprain, so real tough on his owners. And Leonard Fournette has a hip injury. Dave, what am I missing? Uh, Jill Everett, tight end for the Chargers, who's been playing well this year, has a groin injury. 
a couple key defensive people are out. But other than that, actually, wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge, uh, but you're not starting him anyways. Drake Greenlaw, the middle line, the linebacker for the 49ers, he's a big IDP guy. So Darius Smith, too, for the Vikings has a knee injury. So a couple key IDP guys are going to be out as well. Right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, there's a couple IDPs that definitely got hurt. Yeah. Uh, what brings us to the waiver wire? Why don't you start with the waiver wire? All right. Well, number one on my waiver wire this week uh, is going to be, you guessed it, Christian Watson, wide receiver for the Packers. I got to lead off with him. My man finally showed up after all those drop balls. Uh, he went off three tutties, 107 yards on four catches, and he helped us win the game. So uh, couldn't be more than happy for that guy. I uh, hope he keeps up the next couple weeks here. We'll need him. Only rostered in 9% of leagues right now. Another wide receiver you're going to want to look at picking up this week, Devontae Peoples-Jones for the Browns. Uh, he's quietly had a very good year in fantasy, and he's averaging, he scored at least seven and a half PPR points in six straight games. Uh, he's totaled at least 71 receiving yards in five of the last six games. Uh, I didn't even know that until I was reading about them and doing a little research. So uh, it's pretty shocking. He's actually a guy that's only 35% owned right now. Definitely flying under the radar. Right. Uh, great bi-week fill-in if you need someone this week. Uh, he's eventually going to score, but he hasn't yet. But he's still a nice, consistent average there for a wide receiver. Uh, a guy that I really like that could be a league winner the rest of the year. Uh, if Juju is out. Juju, by the way, is his fourth concussion, actually. And he was out quite a while last time with his last concussion when he was with Pittsburgh. So uh, just keep an eye on that, definitely. Uh, Kadarius Tony uh, for the Chiefs. They traded for this guy, and he's been playing well for them. Uh, he's showing some flashes of upside in the Kansas City offense. Uh, he logged, he played 44% of the snaps this past week in week 10. So uh, he's definitely moving up. He had four or five targets for 57 yards and a tutty. So uh, he had a leaping grab. That was a nice catch as well. So I uh, definitely want to take a look at him. Uh, tight ends, Foster Moreau. I think we talked about him a little bit last last week uh, with Darren Waller out for the, at least four games and Hunter Renfro on the IR. They need to throw to somebody. Uh, and, they th- and they're going to throw to him. Uh, three catches, 31 yards, and a tutty. So uh, definitely pick him up if he's available. Uh, and don't forget it, uh, Cole Clement, only 59% on us. He's a little bit over that range, but uh, he's had, he had another two-touchdown week this past week. Uh, one of Fields' favorite targets, so definitely take a look at picking him up if possible. And then I'll go with a couple running backs here to finish it off. Isaiah Pachulo uh, and Jerick McKinnon for the Chiefs. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was nowhere to be seen, uh, and then Pachulo actually took over that backfield and looks like the main guy there now. So definitely take a look at him. Uh, he had 16 carries for 82 yards this past week and a season-high 56% of the snap. So if he's out there, which I know he is in a few of my leagues, I'm definitely picking him up this week. Uh, a guy we talked about a little bit before, too, is Kyron Williams. Uh, he made his debut finally. Had one carry and three targets. Uh, but there is reasons to like him, though. Uh, he played 27% of the snaps, more than Akers at 17%, a little less than Daryl Henderson, but he just it was his first game, though. So uh, definitely look for that snap percentage to increase as the weeks go on, and he can definitely take over that lead back position eventually there. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And, you know, Akers are, owners has got to be bummed. He did freak out and screw you anyway, so it's not like, you had a lot of faith in him. I dropped him, and somebody else picked him up, and I was like, I'm I'm not picking him up again. And Kyron Williams is a reason why. Uh, did you mention Nick Westbrook uh, Akine? Is that not, Rashad White was the other one I was going to talk about a little bit. Uh, yeah. With, with I, I have Rashad White for the Fournette injury, too. 
Yep, he's definitely a guy. He had he had over 100 yards this past week uh, and 22 carries. So uh, definitely a guy you want to take a look at as well. Yeah, Matt Ryan's got some new life too. If some people dropped him and you need a streamer this week, maybe you have like a Tua or somebody or or uh, Tom Brady or even like um, you know Geno Smith or somebody. You know, you might need a streamer. Kadarius Tony is a must own in my opinion, especially with the Juju Smith injury, and he just lit it up last week uh tony could be that tyreek hill type player he's got the speed he's just been you know he was he was a top prospect really coming in from florida he wasn't used properly in the giants and um i think he could be really good guy man he's super athletic i don't know why they gave up on him after one year he's only he's he's just been in the league one year there's some disagreements there and I know he was uh, injured a bit so that there's that but they it's weird that they turn they they draft him and trade him. I, mean, I thought that was strange. It was same thing with the the Pickens pick and then they trade Claypool. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with these teams that yeah, makes no make sense. sense. There's stuff that we don't hear about either. So who knows like some back end stuff. Uh, Tr- Tristan Ebner too for the Khalil Herbert injury. You might want to pick him up if you need running back really bad. If Herbert's going to miss some time, it'd be Ebner from the Bears. Um that brings us to non-starters trending up for week 11, Dave. And I'm going to start with Kadarius Tony. <laughs> I think he's going to be great if, if Schuster's out a week, which we expect and you know Hard Hardwell's Hardman's been out, so I think he's going to have a massive game against the bad Chargers D this week. So I like Juju Smith or uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, Darnell Mooney versus a bad Atlanta secondary is big. I know Fields doesn't throw the ball a ton, but I think he's been worked in um, a little bit more now. And Mooney's going to get a few catches. Wide receiver Christian Watson versus the Titans, I think, is going to be big. The Titans have a good run D. They don't have a good pass D. Uh, wide receiver T. Higgins versus the Steelers will be big. So he's kind of borderline starter, you know, so I mentioned T. Higgins, Dave. Um, especially, I think Jamar Chase should still be out. Uh, wide receiver Darius Slayton versus the Lions is good. Um, I, I like his matchup versus the Lions. Uh, you saw that big explosive play he had last week, Dave, for the yeah. Giants. Well, he's actually coming out now. He's finally living up to the hype that we had on him a couple years ago, actually. Absolutely, and... My prop play, Brian Robinson, I took him over 33.5 yards. That cash, like, <laughs> close to the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Robinson ended up, what's, let me just check tonight. He's going to be, like, a starter for sure. 86 yards, 26 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown tonight for Brian Robinson. Uh, the Washington football team's figured it out a little bit more. They're not as bad as they used to be. And uh, just obviously beating the Eagles, that should tell you something. Why, uh, wide receiver Drake London. Versus the Bears, horrible secondary is huge this week, too, for the Atlanta. So I think I don't like Mariota much as a pass catcher, but he's got some easy going this week against the Bears. So those are my non-starters trending up. What are yours? Uh, I, I do like the Ron Monstrain Brown against the Giants, too. The, the, the Giants have been playing well, but I like him. Uh, he's, he's probably a borderline starter for you right now, but if he's not, he's definitely plugging him in this week. Van Jefferson with the Cooper Cup injury. He's a guy you might like, look at picking up as well this week that we didn't talk about. But uh, Van Jefferson's probably out there on some waivers. And I think he's going to be a, a guy trending up this week with Cooper Cup out. He had a touchdown this past week, and he's finally getting healthy now. Over the last couple of weeks, he's getting healthy. So Van Jefferson's definitely a guy that I'm, he's trending up right now. Uh, I like a couple of the guys you said, too. I do like Drake London, Kyle Pitts. 
that that matchup they have against that poor defense that they're playing. Uh, I do like uh, that matchup for them against the Bears. Even though it's your team at Kiev, I, I still like that matchup for them. I do actually like Cole Kement, though, against the poor Falcons team, too. So And Darnell Mooney, I agree with you on that one, too. So I do like that, that game. There's going to be some uh, fantasy points in that game, definitely with those two bad defenses. Uh, so I do like those matchups. I like Isaiah McKenzie for the Bills and Khalil Shakur. Uh, both those guys have been coming on lately. Uh, and the Bills, I think, are just going to crush the Browns this week. So I do like that matchup as well. Yeah. I like I like Jahan Dotson, the rookie for the Commanders. He's back and he played tonight. Uh, he didn't do much tonight, but I think uh, when he, now that he's healthy, I think they're going to start going to him a little bit more against the poor Texans need too. Uh, I do like Gibson and Robinson too at running back. I think the, definitely all the tr- starters for Washington are trending up against that poor Texans defense. I uh, definitely like that matchup. I also do like uh, the Chiefs. Like you said, t- Tony, I do like him. Or Colonel Hardman, if he's back this week, I do like both of those guys trending up as week this week too against the Chargers who are all banged up and have quite a few major injuries on that defense. So definitely trending up this week. Uh, and I'm going to say Tyler Boyd. Uh, T. Higgins, I think, is borderline starting right now anyways. But I'm going to say Tyler Boyd is the guy I'm definitely looking at uh, with the chase injury still out. Uh, I like Tyler Boyd this week against that Polar Steelers defense as well, even though T.J. Watt is back. Uh, so they're going to get some more pressure, but I, I definitely still like that matchup. Yeah, T.J. Watt's back, and that's going to light him up for a little bit, but they still have a poor secondary uh, in general, I guess. Um, bus, let's move on to Bus. Who do you have for your Bus? I'm going to say Ronald and Moore and DeAndre Hopkins against Frisco. Uh, their defense has been playing well for San Francisco. Uh, they're in a little win streak here. They're back to over 500 at 5-4. and four. So uh, I'm downgrading both the receivers for them and Kyler Murray coming off injury if he does play. So uh, I don't like a lot of the starters against that tough San Francisco D. Uh, I'm actually downgrading some of the Vikings, actually. Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson against the tough Dallas defense. They didn't look very good against the Packers, but uh, I think they have a bounce-back game. Uh, they're playing at Minnesota, though, so that's a tough matchup. But I do like... Uh, I don't like the Vikings against the tough Dallas D. Dallas D is one of the tougher ones this year. And also the Broncos, one of the streaming defenses this week, if you if you want to stream a defense this week for buys, uh, they're playing the poor, lonely Raiders. And Waller and Renfro are both out. Uh, so I'm definitely downgrading that Raiders offense against the Broncos. Uh, Jacobs, you still have to start him. He's a must-start, but... Uh, definitely downgrading the, the Mac Hollins after Devontae Adams, even maybe Devontae Adams as well, because they're going to be double teaming him now too as well with not that, that many weapons there. So uh, Bronco, I'm definitely downgrading him. Uh, another one is going to be the Rams running back against this tough Saints run D. Uh, so I don't like any of the Rams running backs this week against the tough Saints D. And then also I'm downgrading Matt Ryan against the tough Eagles D. After their loss tonight, they're not going to be too happy next week. So I'm definitely downgrading Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman against that tough Eagles D. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's uh, the Eagles D's got to be pissed after <laughs> this week too. But I, I found a little nugget. You know, I was like, the Eagles can't stop the run, and it's kind, of, it's kind of been working out for me a little bit here. Some some of my bets. Uh, Bus, I got AJ Dillon versus the Titans. That's not a good matchup. Uh, uh, I agree with you on that one. I was also going to say too the. The, I don't like any of the Browns against the Bills. The Bills are going to be, I think they're going to really want to bounce back this week too. And the Bills already have a top five defense. So look out Browns. Yeah, Chubb, I was going to say, is uh, is probably a bust this week against uh, the, the, the pissed off Bills. So uh, I worry about Chubb a little bit. And, you know, it's, uh, it's tough to bench him, but 
I don't know what else they're going to do, really. They might be stuck trying to throw the ball and play catch up here. It's a big spread, nine and a half points as it is. So do you think Fields over-under for him against the Falcons, man? Do you think he puts up another 40 fantasy point week this week? Who? Fields? You know, he was my sleeper last week, Dave. He was my nasty uh-huh. sleeper. So uh, I can't use him again, though. He's, he's a starter. I, I hope you put him in for Herbert. You know, that's... I did. Right, I did. Okay. He helped me win tonight. Uh, I won by two points in your league. And I beat you this week by a couple points. And, and oh, my God. That did, sucks. Right? I scored like 197 points in that IDP league. And when you score 197, you usually win. That was that was a tough one. You had uh, you had uh, Warner at the end, Fred Warner, and I had some other bum going. Uh, for, <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, we both had two defense players, but I knew that Warner was better. I was like, I'm, I'm toast. Uh, Michael Pittman versus the Eagles. Yeah, I said that, too. I think uh, he's going to have a tough... Game versus the Eagles. Uh, James James Conner versus the Niners. I say you said the receivers there. I I think James Conner is going to have it rougher than the receivers, but either way, they might both be bust. Um, Devontae Foreman uh, versus the Ravens is kind of ugly this week. Uh, I, I forgot about that. That's a good one. Actually, that's one I missed. But yeah, I, I agree. Totally agree with the Foreman pick. Yeah, Ravens of Divas have been playing really, really well lately. They have, and they got Roquan Smith now. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, Ryan Tannehill versus Green Bay. Even I think I like, like I said last week, David. I like Green Bay secondary a lot. In even with their secondary hurt, they still were able to do enough to slow up Dak Prescott a little bit. So I'm not sure. Rudy, <laughs> I am not sure that Tannehill's going to have a great game again. It, the Titans are due just to be completely demolished. It's just. They, they get by with smoke and mirrors a lot. They kind of annoy me a little bit, the Titans, you know. Uh, I do agree, actually. I think this is actually a winnable game for the Packers, actually. And I don't think the Titans are really that good. If they can contain Henry, I think that's they it. Win. And that's it. And, it. and that's been the Packers' crutch. So that's kind of like the handicap. Are they going to really buckle yeah. down and get Henry here? So I think it's a, it's a fair pick em game. But um, I, I just – the Titans have been so fortunate last year and this year. It's time for that they – uh, get put in their place. Uh, and I'm going to say Kirk Cousins against the Cowboys. D is kind of suspect, Dave. And I know they got that amazing uh, receiver, Jefferson. And, uh, you know, it's just still blows my mind that catch he made last week. Oh, ridiculous. my God. At fourth and 18. What a play. But yeah. uh, Best you know, play of the year, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, but Kirk, I mean, Kirk Cousins is, you know, all, all happy and, fat from that game and going home and the top Cowboys coming off that loss. It, it's, it, it might be a little bit of a tough day for Kirk Cousins. I'd be, if you got a better option, I would, I would start a better option. It's hard to bench him at home, but I don't know, man, I, I'm worried about him. So that's, he's a potential. And he two picks last week against the bills too, but they still just pull out that win when they shouldn't really won anyways, the Bills should have won that game, but Oh, for sure. The bills. Yeah. They blew it at the, the up 10 points at first and goal. You kidding me? Drew, couldn't believe it. That brings us to our nasty sleeper, dude. Who do you have for nasty sleeper week ten, week eleven to win your fantasy league? I'm going with Christian Watson. Uh, I know it's the hometown pick, but uh, I think after this game, he's got some confidence. I don't think the Titans have a very good secondary. Uh, they got a good run stopping D, but their secondary is not that good. I'm going with Christian Watson as my D nasty sleeper of the week. I like it. I have Christian Watson as my non-starter trending up, so I definitely agree with you there. He was really good this week, and he's only uh, – I think he's available in, like, most leagues. I think only 90, 9% owned in, in Yahoo leagues from what I saw, so he's key right now, especially with Dobbs being out for a while. I agree. Uh, Kadarius Tony, I got to go with. Um, 
like he, that one he's, too. He's going to quick be rising up in the ranks here now that uh, he's got Mahomes throwing to him. You know, it, it's going to he's going to take a good chunk of those targets, in my opinion. Of course, Kelsey's still the uh, bell cow there, but I like Kadarius Tony to get some big touchdowns, and uh, this is a good matchup here against a Chargers D that's depleted. No Bosa, no J.C. Jackson, a couple other guys. Also very beat up, so loving it, Dave. Anything else we missed? No, I think that's it. Make sure you get those bye week fill-ins and make sure you get those bye week players out of your lineups this week. All right, make, make that final push for the playoffs. Make that push for the playoffs, baby. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at the Ozbreakers. Thank you for enjoying this show and go get some winners. <laughs>